Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, it's great to see you guys. You know, as you guys are making your way back to your seats, it is just around the corner is baptisms. April 7. Uh, if you've not been baptized since you believe, let me encourage you, get baptized April 7. In Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, once you get saved, your next step is you need to get water baptized. Why? Because Jesus said to do it. Because Jesus said to do it. We'll get into a bit more of it another time as we'll get into that. But let me just tell you this. You need to do it. So if you've not been baptized since you believed, April 7, we'd love to see you. Join us. We'll do it right here. We've got this really cool, really fun inflatable hot tub. Uh, we put that puppy right here. We have a great time. So you can sign up for that. But next week, I'm also super excited about this, is we've got a guest with us, James Sonnick. And this is one of my pastors. Uh, when I have questions, when I need things, he's one of the guys that I reach out to and just learn from and just always, always blesses me. So I'm really excited that he gets to come and he's going to be sharing with you guys. And he's actually been a part of Life West since before we started. Started. When, when we were starting, I said, hey, will you help us? And, and they helped financially and prayer and wisdom and everything else. So I'm, if you haven't met him yet, I'm really excited. He's going to be with us next week. Now, uh, I think I was 11, I was 11 years old, and I was out fishing with my dad. And we went out in Lake Michigan with one of his buddies. And we're cruising along. We, we'd finished all, all the fishing. We're on our way back. And, and we're about... I don't know, I know we're over a half mile, maybe a mile, somewhere in there from shore, and we're cruising along, and all of a sudden, the, the engine starts making some weird noises. And uh, it was a big enough, big enough boat that the, the engine's like down below it, and so the, my, dad's, my dad's buddy Mark, he, he goes to the back, and I think my dad's driving, and he, and he reaches down and he lifts up part of the floor. And when he does, it accesses the engine, and when he does, like water starts spitting out of it. And I'm like, I'm 11, and I'm like, I don't think you're supposed to do that. <laughs> like, I, I, I know that. And, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, stop, something's not right. Well, as soon as we cut the throttle, I mean, like, as soon as we cut the throttle, my feet are wet. And like a second later, I'm like, I'm, my dad's like, we're sinking. Like the boat is just going, parts of the boat are starting to float and things are coming out of storage and everything. So my dad grabs a life jacket and he puts it on me and my little brother's with me and, and he just grabs me and he, he looks at shore and, and he grabs me and he goes, swim, and throws me out of the boat. And he grabs my other brother, my brother Daniel and goes, swim, and throws him out of the boat. So there I am. I'm like, I'm like I think I'm like, again, like 11 years old and I'm like, everything in me just wants to turn on and watch this thing sink because this is going to be awesome. But I don't know about you, but, but at 11 years old, I was sure that a sinking boat, every sinking boat caused like this death vortex and it pulled everything down with it and you died and you never came back up. So I wanted to turn around, but I didn't and I wanted to swim towards shore and I was really cold and he was there. And I'm like, oh, no, no. So I'm swimming away, but I'm kind of watching this thing sink and I'm swimming and I'm kind of watching and it. And it, it was going down, but not super fast. And, but my dad's buddy that was, was fishing with us, it's his boat, Mark. Um, loves fishing, always. He's like, he's like, all he wanted to do was go fishing. However, he didn't know how to swim. So we got a boat sinking, and Mark doesn't know how to swim. So he, you know, as the boat's going down, he does a distress call on the radio and the CB, and a boat 
behind us comes up and and the boat's sinking, and I'm like walking, like I'm, I'm swimming away, and I'm looking back, and I'm swimming, and I'm looking, and swimming, and looking, and my dad's like, let's go, let's go. And later he's like, I thought the whole Vortex thing was true too. He's like, I don't know. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> so Mark was okay, because another boat came, and literally as this thing is sinking, Mark steps off of the back of one boat into the other one, and they're like, are you all right? But he was petrified, because the time learn how to swim was over. Like, it was too late. It's like you don't take lessons when the boat is sinking. Like, it's, it's done. It's over. Now, later we found out what had happened was at some point when we were cruising along, we hit a log, and there was a, there was a hole in the front of the boat like this. So water was coming in, but once we slowed down, the front of the boat went down, and then it just gushed, and just water just boom, and the whole thing was down, and the top of the boat stuck out about like this far, so we tied a, a life jacket onto it and slammed back until, did some doggy paddles until the lifeguard showed up. But unfortunately, many of us, that's a picture of us and money. Here's what I mean. We learn about money when the boat is sinking, when something wrong has happened, when we've made a mistake, when we have more month than money, when something happens that wasn't supposed to happen, that didn't go, and that's where we learn. Um, school really doesn't teach you a lot about money. Um, they, 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 don't, they don't teach you how to file taxes or, or really like, hey, did you... Work for yourself and you have to keep some of this money and you're going to need to... They don't really do a lot of that. And unfortunately, most of us, we learn about money because the boat is sinking. We're like, well, because we just have to. But where we're meant to go, what we're meant to do is God's word is meant to be our guide in absolutely every area. Every single area. And if you get, if you get married, well, then you've got two people's ideas about money coming together. And then that's even more fun. It's like, okay, like how, how and what and what you think is expensive isn't what I think is expensive and I thought that was okay and you didn't think that was okay and that's a priority to you but that's not even on a list to me. Like that, that doesn't even matter. I don't even care. It, it's, it's just different. It's just completely different. Um, several years ago, I was flying in a plane and I was sitting down to this old guy and he's sitting next to me and so we get talking a little bit and so I just asked him, I was like, somehow he got, he was headed home and he'd been married 60 some years. And I was like, man, I said, that's so long. I said, what's, give, give me some advice. What, what, what is your advice? And he had no idea that I was a pastor or anything that I did. And he goes, well, number one, he goes, we went to church always. And I was like, well, that's going to preach. I got to write that down. <laughs> and he goes, number two, he goes, we agreed on money. And he, goes, and, it, and he goes, it definitely helped that my career took off and there was more of it. So there's less fighting about it because of that. He goes, but even then, he says, just having more doesn't mean that you won't fight about money. He goes, but we agreed on finances. Coming together on finances is incredibly important. Billy Graham said this when it comes to our attitude towards money. He said, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. So yes, this is a part of our marriage series, but it really applies universally and everywhere. So this is for you, whether you're married or not, and we're talking about what the attitudes that we're supposed to have towards money. So we're going to pick up where we left off from last week with number five, and it is this. Choose contentment instead of consuming. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but we live 
if you are in America, you are in a consumer machine. Like an absolute machine designed to get you to buy something today, use it, throw it away, and buy another one tomorrow. Like tomorrow. It is a machine, and it's like, look, you need to just simply consume, 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 because really what you need is what you do not have. That, that's what you need. Um, but Ecclesiastes 4 says this. It says, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What everybody say, better is one. Yeah, that's what I thought. That was going to be hard. I kind of thought. I kind of thought. That might be hard for some of you. This side, you had it okay. But just to not embarrass you, let's just all say it again. Everybody say, better is one. That's a difficult one, isn't it? I'm Dutch. If it's free, take three. You're like, I don't need them, but I'm just taking them. Like, I'll just, we're just going to do this. But, but it's so incredibly true. The, the lie that the world tells you is this. The lie that the world tells, and when I say the world, I really mean the devil, is this. What you do not have is what you need. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter how little you have or how much you have. What you need is what you do not have. This is a lie the devil tells, and why, I can tell you why I know it's the devil and how I know it's a lie. Number one, as we go back to the Garden of Eden, that is the lie that Satan told Adam and Eve. You have a perfect man and a perfect woman on perfect earth in a perfect garden in paradise, and they're naked. It's just perfect. <laughs> and then what does, what does Satan do? He shows up and says, you're missing out. He introduced FOMO in the garden. He's like, you are missing out. And somehow, he convinced a perfect man and woman who not only were in perfect paradise, but had a perfect relationship with God, he convinced them that that perfect God was holding something from them, and what they needed was what they were told they couldn't have, the one thing. The one thing. Not two things, not three. The one thing. He's like, this, that, that is what you need. You can have everything else. Anything else. It's all there. Everything is perfect. And he convinced, he convinced them. Man, he's good at it. That's what I'm telling you. He is good at this lie. And he has not stopped telling it because it works so well. And the lie is, here it is. It's what you do not have is what you need. And it doesn't matter. It does not matter how little you have, how much you have, how shiny what you have is, how fast what you have. It's always what you do not have. And in one way or another, I would, I would dare say that most of us have experienced that in some way, where we get the thing that we think that we want only to realize we don't want what we got. I remember one of the first times this really, really hit me. I was young and um, I was running trails a lot and I really wanted a GPS watch because it's really hard to tell splits in the woods because you don't know the exact distances and all this stuff. And, and, and so I hounded my parents for, for Christmas. I was like, for Christmas, I really want this. And we, we had this thing like growing up. You could ask my parents for anything you want for Christmas and you'd get socks. Like, that's just it. Like, ask for anything, but you're getting... It's still true to this day. My birthday was like last month, and my mom showed up, and she's like, I'm so proud of this. I got you socks. And I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, but they're not just regular socks. The regular socks that you get at Costco are those Puma 9 to 12. She's like, mm-mm, these are, these are Puma socks 
13 to 14. You're going to love them. And I'm like, and I put them on like, actually, they, they do. They're, they're amazing. I'm telling you, they might change my life. But it's always been socks. And I'm like, Mom, I don't want socks this year. And I think I was kind of a jerk about it. I'm like, I want this watch. I want this watch, this GPS thing. It's gonna, this is what I really want. And they were talking like, hey, by the way, just so you know, like, here's a link. And I, but I was, again, I was a bit of a jerk about it. I really think I was because on Christmas Day, I opened my present and I got it. And I was a little bit excited, but I was also like, I don't think I should have asked for this. Well, I get the watch and I'm super excited, but then I put the thing on us. I put the, I put the watch on, but this is an old school GPS watch. So the watch goes here and you got this big thing that you put on your arm and it's got this like, takes like 12 D batteries and you strap that thing to your arm. You got a light that you got to wait 20 minutes. So if you want to run like 20 minutes beforehand, you got to take this sensor outside and put it out so it can find all the satellites. And eventually I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I go for a run and I'm like, it works. And I'm so excited to take it in the woods. And so I, I go run through the woods and the whole time it's beeping and doing all kinds of stuff and I'm trying to run. And guess what I find out? This watch that I got so I could run in the woods so it would tell me my splits. If there's any foliage at all, if there's any tree branches, it doesn't work. And I'm just like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> it doesn't work. And I tried to return, and then, like, can I do anything? Like, it doesn't even work. Now, that's a silly thing. It's just a silly watch. But it's honestly, I'd rather it be something silly like a watch than something like an entire career spent pursuing money pursuing this is what it'll be if I can just get the business this big, if I can get this bonus, if I can get in this house, if I only drove that car and we spend so much time and get in so much debt and we do all of this and we save to be able to do it only to get there and realize it's hollow. That it's just completely hollow. The lie is over and over, what you need is what you do not have. And it never changes. That ladder always has another rung above it. And you can be the biggest overachiever in the entire world. You will never reach the top of that ladder. Your company will not be big enough. Your house will not be big enough. Your car will not be fast enough or slow enough or four by four enough or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. If it's, if it's oh, I would just need this. And if I just had, could do, it does not stop. Again, how good is the devil at telling this lie? He convinced a perfect man and a perfect woman who had a perfect relationship with the perfect God that they were missing out. If he convinced Adam and Eve, I think I need to be on my guard. Because <laughs> I don't live in a perfect world. I know I'm not. I know I don't. I know that I don't. So what is it that we're meant to do? We need to realize better is one than two. Better is one with tranquility. Proverbs 15, 16 says, better to have little with the fear of the Lord than to have great treasure in inner turmoil. Luke 16.10 says this, and this really gets into the key of, of solving this, of how we fight this tendency to always want this and to want that. It says this in Luke 16.10, if you're faithful with little things, you'll be faithful with large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with great responsibilities. So a lot of what it's saying here is what you do with what you have is what you will do with what you get. You think you're going to be generous when, but you're not now, you won't be. It's talking about that, but here's the other thing that it's saying as well. The attitude that you have towards the things that you have now is the same attitude that you'll have towards the, the new job, the new position, the new car, the new, the new whatever. If that's not good enough, 
If you can't be content with what you have, you will not be content with what you get, no matter what it is, no matter the price tag. No matter, it will not matter. It will, it will always, again, that ladder just keeps moving and moving and moving. So what is it that we do and how is it that we turn that off? How, how do we fight that? Number one is you realize it's the attitude towards what you have. If you're not grateful for what you have, you will not be grateful no matter what you get. It will not matter because discontentment is a disease that destroys anything it touches. No matter how nice, no matter how young, no matter how old, if I was just younger, if I was just older, if I could have done this, if I had done this then, and if I had this. And you, you can get somewhere and think it's the greatest thing in the world, but then all you do is you look back, well, if I had started when I was younger, and if I had changed this, and this would have been different, if I could have changed that about the past, if I'd never said those things, if I'd never hurt that person. It can even be, it, it, honestly, our intentions can even seem to be okay because of the mistakes that we've made in life, but we still have to choose, say, God, I'm going to serve you today. Today, I'm going to give you all that I am. I'm going to be content where I am and say, God, I'm going to give you all that I have because this is me. This is what I am. And he'll take you right where you are. And the great thing is he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And he'll begin to move you from it. So how do we do this? Number one is we fight this. We fight the lie by, number one, realizing the same attitude that we have towards what we have is what we will have towards what we get, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. You get somebody in a junky car and they don't clean it, you give them a new car. And how long does it take until that thing is just an absolute trash? Again. Somebody in, my, somebody in particular I'm thinking of right now that has probably the messiest car I've ever seen. Like I found ants in the car. Like a colony. You're like, how? It moves. I don't understand. But they get a new car and guess what happens? The new car doesn't stay. It's not clean. It's clean for a week, it's clean for two weeks, and then all of a sudden, it's looking just like the other car did. It, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So number one is we realize our attitude. Number two is we change the way that we are talking. Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those that love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. Everybody say life. Say death. But those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, what's its fruit? Well, it depends on what it is that you're saying. But if you're saying, I'm thankful, if you wake up in the morning, you say, God, I thank you for my car. God, I thank you for that car so much, I anoint it with oil every day, a whole quart. But God, I just thank you. <laughs> I thank you for that car. And you choose to be thankful. There's power in our words. But you choose, God, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for that job. And you may not even love the job, but God, I'm thankful that as a result, I can take care of my family. God, I'm thankful that as a result, I can give to build the kingdom. I can give to build the church and I can pursue the calling and passions that you've put on my life. And this might not be the, my favorite thing in the world to do, but God, I thank you that I get to be a light and I'm on a mission everywhere I go that when I'm there. You might be at that job and you might look at the people around you like, it is so dark. I don't even like being there. Well, remember this, the darker the night, the easier it is to see the light. And you can get to stand out. You can be thankful for that. You can be thankful that I grew up working at a church, my dad's church in Granville, and, and, and I saw this so many times as a kid that we'd watch people join the staff, and I worked on maintenance, so I'd watch people join the maintenance team. And they'd be like, I'm so excited to work at a church. It's just going to be great. 
And I'm like, I don't know why, whatever, this is all I, all I do. And I'm like, we clean toilets. I'm pretty sure you can clean toilets anywhere. But anyways, and they'd come and they'd think it was great. And a month or two, and they'd be like, ah, this isn't what I thought. And I'm like, what did you think that we did? Like, the toilets have to be clean. You can pray all you want, but it doesn't clean toilets. You say, they still need to be clean. And like, when I say clean, like clean, we had a bathroom with 16 stalls. I, I took eight hours cleaning those bathrooms. That's what it was supposed to take, eight hours per bath. Anyways, it was clean. It was clean. But their idea was, well, I'm going to get here. I'm going to get in this environment around great people. And as a result, everything is going to change in my life. And the, the answer is no. Because you bring your junk everywhere you go. It, every, everywhere you go, there you are. I know, I know, it's really deep. It blew somebody's mind. But everywhere you go, there you are. It's the reason why. The grass isn't greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where it's watered. It's greener where it's taken care of. And it's you and I deciding we're going to be thankful and just choosing to be thankful. Maybe it's in the morning where you say, okay, I'm going to be thankful. And you wake up and you say it. Or, or maybe it's on your commute or the, after you drop the kids off or maybe before the kids get up or before they go down or whenever it is that you just choose to be thankful and say it out loud. There's power when we speak. You were made in the image of God, a God who created the whole world when he spoke. There's power in your words. That's why the Bible says life and death is in the tongue. There's power in your words. When you begin to speak and say, I'm thankful, maybe for you, it's around dinner. Because maybe, I hope that you pray over your meals and you're thankful for your meals. Then maybe you include something that you're thankful for every time that you pray for the meal. Now be careful because understand this. Food is meant to be eaten. So when you're praying for food, it's time to eat. So you need to prepare people. If you're gonna, don't, don't be doing these like five-hour prayers. When, um, when I met my father-in-law, uh, short, shortly after we met my father-in-law, we were, I don't remember exactly where we were, but we're standing there and my father was like, I just met him and he looks over at me and uh, it wasn't my father-in-law yet. And he's like, why don't we have the pastor pray? And I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, so I stand there and I'm like, all right, well, we're going to pray. So, so we all bow our heads and I'm like, all right, let's pray. God, I thank you for this food in Jesus' name. Amen. And then we eat because it was time to eat. Like, you wanna, I'll invite you to a prayer meeting and we can pray. Okay, we can pray until Jesus comes back. I'm all in at a prayer meeting. But if it's about food, nobody else is enjoying my prayer. Nobody else is agreeing. They're just sitting there watching the potatoes get cold. <laughs> I know what's happening. I'll pray, but that's not the time to pray. Crazy long prayers. And so my father-in-law is like, are you sure he heard you? I'm not sure that was long enough. And I'm like, I looked at him and I said, well, the Bible says you will not be heard for your many words. So yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, touche, touche. And so we still go back and forth and it's, it's great. And he didn't murder me. I'm here. So uh, it's, it's okay. But find a time when you can be thankful and practice just every day choosing to be thankful. Again, just remember how good the devil is at telling this lie, that whatever it is you do not have, that is what you need. He, again, he convinced a perfect man and a perfect woman in paradise with a perfect relationship with a perfect God that what they needed, they didn't have. If he convinced them, then do you think you and I need to be on our guard? The answer is yes. It is. And so the way that we are on our guard is, number one, we realize our attitude towards what we have is the same attitude towards that we will have with whatever we get. And then number two, and this is the big one, we choose to be thankful and we speak it every day. Every day. Find something 
to be thankful for. As a little kid, we watched Anna Green Gables. And one of her superpowers was being thankful. But she hated church. So one day, how many of you remember this? But anyways, one day, these ladies were like, Sunday, it's church. What do you have to be thankful for today? And she'd just fallen out of a tree and like broken her arm. She's sitting there and she's like, I'm thankful that seven more whole days until we have to go to church again. (laughs) She found something to be thankful about. I don't know what you're going through, but you can find something to be thankful about and start there. And when you do, you watch how that seed, the fruit, and those who love it, it says will eat its fruit. The fruit of you choosing to be thankful and speaking it is a thankful heart will begin where it wasn't. You're, you will be more and more. You're just like, oh my goodness, I don't know what happened. You watch as it changes you from the inside out. It changes you from the inside out. Next attitude that we need to have towards our finances is this. Choose calling over compensation. Choose calling. Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Your life is too valuable and your call is too great to spend your life chasing after things that do not matter. Do not let money be the thing that makes every decision in your life. Have it in your hand, but don't ever have it in your heart. Choose your calling. Don't make your life decisions based on, well, I can get this much money if I go over here. It's so sad sometimes when you watch them, they leave and they go off to college for a career and they've they've done all this research on on what school they think is going to be best for them. And I sit down and I say, but what church are you going to go to? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you're going to leave your network and your friends and your backbone and your family and everybody that's helped you to stay strong all of these years, and now you're going to go to a whole new city and a whole new place, and you don't, you know, one other person in that whole place, and you don't, you don't, you research the school, and you, you know everything about the entire city except where you're going to go to church? Where's your support crew? And they're like, uh, I don't know. I don't see anything wrong with leaving to go after any education that you need, but not at the expense of my spiritual growth. You don't put your life on pause to go to anything else. And the same works for a job. It's a great career move, but what is it? You're going to pull your family up and you're going to move to where for what and what church are you going to go to? And what about your small group when you have all these relationships and people that will speak into your life and call things out and help you and pick you up and... a list of people to call when you need prayer and they come over and you're going to move to where? Choose your calling over compensation. Don't make every decision about money because, again, your life is too valuable, your calling is too great for you to spend your life on things that don't matter. I think the greatest mistake that we can ever make is to succeed at what doesn't count to succeed at what doesn't matter. But what I pray is that you don't wait until your deathbed to realize or to know the difference between what was important and what wasn't. I pray that you would seek God now. 
You'd seek his will for your life. You'd realize the lie and you wouldn't fall for it. Of all that I really need is what I do not have. But you'd realize that you're complete through your union with Christ. And that he wants to and he can use you right where you are. He loves you so much, he'll take you just the way you are. But he doesn't want to leave you there. Because he has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not an accident. You weren't a surprise for him. If you're like me, you could look around at the world and just think, what is going on? God, you need to do something. Every time I ask, I know what the answer is. I already did. He's like, I sent you. But he's saying that exact same thing to you. He sent you. He sent you. He sent you into your neighborhood. He sent you into the business world. He sent you into that office. He sent you into that. He sent you. God wants to use you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. I pray, I pray for you all the time that you would not succeed at what does not matter, but you would seek God's will and purpose for your life, that you would find it. He'd leverage what God has given you to build his kingdom, realizing that you're making a difference, that you're not just punching clocks in and out, but that you're building the kingdom of God. You're reaching lives and changing the world. God loves you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? I want to ask before we leave this morning, if you don't know where you stand with God, I want to give you a chance. Just hear me. God loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son to pay the price so that the gap between you and him could be gone, so that you could be forgiven, so he could remove that guilt, and so that you could begin to walk out the plan and purpose that God has for you. And he does. He has a plan and purpose for you. So if you're here and you say, today's the day I want to give him my life. I want to follow his plan. Today's the day I surrender my way. I want to be forgiven. I want the shame and guilt to be gone. I want to begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for me. That you would love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. That you want to lift your hand up right now. Say, that's me. Lift it up and say, pray with me. I want to know where I stand with God. Lift it up. Say, pray with me. Today's the day I'm giving him my heart and my life. And I'm going to leave this place knowing exactly where I stand with him. Everybody say, on your way to heaven. Well, God, I just pray for every person in this room. God, I pray that we would not fall for the lie of the devil, that what we're missing is what's next and what we do not have. That's all that we need. But God, that we would look to you. I think that every person in here, that they hear your voice and a stranger, they will not follow they would not waste their lives seeking after what does not matter, but they would use everything that you've given them, that they would use it to build your kingdom. I think that lives will be changed as a result. I think that you're now speaking purpose into every heart and every mind that's here. God, have your way in and through us. God, all that we are, we want to honor you. And we thank you. And we ask you, God, to continue to move in us. We want to be your hands and feet in all that we do. In Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.